and welcome to Crime on Prime Time. I am your host, Kinsey Huseman, and I am here with my best friend. What's up, y'all? It's Malik. So, this is day two of the recording extravaganza, or what was supposed to be the recording extravaganza, until we both realized that we can't record on Monday because it's the college football national championship game. And I don't know about you, Malik, but I am very much... I really want Washington to win. I'm I'm really in this one. Who do you think is going to win? You're a big Penix guy. I am a big Penix guy. I'm a big Husky person. We're looking at moving to like the Seattle area. So if we do, I will become a big Washington fan. Hmm, you're going to team hop again. I, I, okay. Watching Washington in the, um, God, I forgot the bowl name, but the game against Texas, the playoff game. Mm-hmm. they were fun to watch and even when they were playing Oregon they were a really fun team to watch they make some incredible plays all right well yesterday which for everyone listening was last week we announced we were going to be watching Law and Order SVU uh season 13 episode 3 Blood Brothers and for many of you if you watch the episode and you're into pop culture you probably already know what story this episode was based off of it wasn't a murder um it was a scandal but you probably already know it probably registered like hey this sounds familiar so before we get into the real life scandal that this episode covered let's recap Law and Order, SVU, Season 13, Episode 3, Blood Brothers. Now, I kind of like, once I saw this episode come up, kind of immediately knew what was going to happen. Um, yesterday, Malik, you left off that you thought you knew the episode, but you informed me you were wrong. And you also informed me you didn't like this episode. Can you please share with the audience why you don't like this SVU episode? I hate all the the kid drama. They get on my all the kids in here get on my nerves. I don't know what it is about. They're thirteen. They just aggravate me. I hate thirteen year olds. They're the worst. They are kind of the worst because they think they're the shit, and you're like, really, you're four, you're thirteen, and you know nothing. Uh huh. They yeah. They, uh, they just get on my nerves. <laughs> but uh, the story's the story's good. Just the kids get on my nerves. Yeah. Honestly, we'll get to it. But this episode, I was watching it while running errands, and then I came home and finished it. And I, I, I was tearing up, man. By the end of it, I was in tears. So let's let's get into it. Um, I my New Year's resolution, my second New Year's resolution for this podcast was to actually write notes for all the episodes because by the end of last year, I was not doing that. I was just going off of my memory. Um, and episode number two i've already failed in that resolution going off of the memory again so it opens with we're in a a catholic school and all the little children are wearing their little matching uniforms and they're all sitting in the sanctuary or chapel and they're watching this play or something the skit of a boy pressuring a girl to drink alcohol and she's saying no because they're in catholic school (laughs) as she should um it was it was it was very cringy though that 
part of it was very any skit like that is just because it's always the worst actors who think that this is going to be their big break in this little skit but so in the middle of it some 13 year old girl faints and this little 13 year old boy rushes to her it's like ella ella and then the sister runs up and it was like arturo what did you do and he's like i didn't do anything and i was like why i mean she just yeah, fell what do you think this like, i didn't touch her he wasn't even sitting next to her he was sitting sitting like a few pews back what do you think this kid did so that was fun then it cuts to olivia and and them in the precinct and right off the bat i remembered that this is when um not Romero. what was his name amara amara yeah he's a newbie because for those of you that are diehard svu fans we left off season 12 with stabler leaving because of the shootout in the pre like the girl shootout of the precinct and him having to shoot this teenage girl um and and olivia no one really knew um if he was olivia still was trying to act like he was coming back but we find out later of course he does not come back so she's getting used to her new partner so the um father from the school walks in he knows amaro he's like hey i have this situation this 13 year old girl is pregnant um can you please investigate this they're like yeah right on it that's that's the name of our game right up our alley so they go to the hospital and they're talking like they're trying to talk to the girl and olivia's talking to the girl amaro's talking to the mom the mom's like we have no men in our lives i have i have no idea how this happened olivia's talking to the girl going hey how did this happen the girl is like you know obviously very anxious and not answering the questions and so her she's not very helpful she's not (laughs) but i mean if you're 13 and the police are questioning you how'd you get pregnant yeah i i get it why she's not helpful but she's almost so unhelpful that she's just irrelevant to the episode they literally don't need her honestly she (laughs) um so ultimately she decides to tell olivia that the she's mary magdalene and the baby inside her is just from god and she hasn't had sex yeah that's a good lie which kind of makes sense because they were talking about how her hymen wasn't broken Mm -hmm. and so like hey if you're gonna have that defense and say i'm carrying the next baby jesus hey at least your hymen's intact the cult was waiting to start up behind her (laughs) embrace her and say they have returned this 13 year old girl the second coming yeah so of course svu's not not buying this story they're like yeah right so okay correct me if i'm wrong i did pretty good up until this point so they go back to the precinct um they're talking about okay well, if there's no men in the mom's lives, like, what men could it be? And so Cragen was like, Munch, go actually investigate all of the men that work at the school. Like, maybe it's at the school. Amaro's like, no, like, this is a great father. He came in, cleaned house. I don't think it is. But they're like, let's just double check. 
anyways to see who it was and then mm-hmm. and then and then what and then cuts to and then, something else in the meantime so Kraken was like munch you go check out the teachers in the meantime olivia and amara were like you know she probably confessed to like some of her friends at the school so like let's go talk to them and so olivia talks to this one girl and she was like hey does ella have a boyfriend and she's like no ella's a good girl and she was like well does anyone like ella and she was like yeah this one kid arturo arturo follows him around follows her around like a lost puppy and then amaro's talking to this other kid and that kid is like he's like hey is anyone interested in ella and he's like yeah arturo like they're best friends and he's like oh are they a thing and he's like arturo wants to be a thing but like he's always huffing on his inhaler so he could never get on his I die when they sit. So he could never get so, a girl. I was like, oh my god, poor kid. Just because he can't breathe, he, he can't get a girl. He can't get a girl. And and they talked to the sister, and they the sister and Olivia kind of got heated because the sister was like, we're all clean here. Like we teach our girls to like not get pregnant but they're 13 like we're really trying to target that age and and she was like but and ella was like one of our best and so olivia was trying to be like oh does that mean it was a teacher and she's like no no one here would do it she was like we make sure we watch everything like a hot like we're very attentive and olivia was like so attentive that you don't even know how she got pregnant it's like how does this woman know how's she supposed to know oh this one's pregnant and i know how so Olivia got into it with his sister at a Catholic school. What a place to fight. Yeah. So then they go and talk to Arturo because like, obviously that's the path you would follow if every kid's like, Hey, that kid's in love with her. So they go and talk to her, him and he's like, I know he's trying to say he knows nothing, but at the same time, having an asthma attack. <laughs> Which Amara was... That's not a good look. Yeah, which Amara was like, okay, this kid's suspicious because once I started asking him questions, he started, like, panicking and couldn't breathe. He immediately started wheezing. Yeah. So, like, this kid knows more than he's letting on because he's like, I don't know how this happens. I'm just an innocent boy. Ella's just my friend. We're besties for the resties. Like this. (laughs) So then they go back to the precinct and Munch is like, hey... We've got a hit on a teacher. Um, it's whatever guy's name. And they're like, oh, yeah? Why are we interviewing him? And Munch is like, because that guy's dead. So I don't know who's sitting in this room right now. <laughs> so they interview that that guy, this teacher. And he was a teacher of Ella. So there is a prob- like possibility this guy's the guy. So they're interviewing him. And they're like, hey, this guy's dead. Who are you? And he was like, okay, okay, I'll explain. My name's Diego. That guy's my uncle. Um, the reason I took his identity is because I can't teach in schools because I am on the sex registry. And they're like, yeah, this is this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> um, and he's like, no, I can explain. And they're like, okay, p- 
please do explain why you're on the sex registry and still teaching at a school. And he had the story about how when he was 19, he went to prom with his girlfriend. You know, they did the chitty chitty bang bang afterwards. And it was <laughs> two days before her 17th birthday. And her dad found out, pulled some strings and got him on the sex registry. That's a tough way to go down. It is. Uh, it is a tough way to go down. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Because isn't it like in Texas, the, it's like four years. We get like, we have like a gap. What do you mean? So, and I, I don't know exactly like how it works, but I know there's like a four year gap. So like if I was 19 and I was dating a 15 year old or whatever, then technically it was okay because we're in that gap and we could have technically been in school at the same time, like in high okay. school at the same time. Because that's my thing was like, what if these two had been dating for three years yeah. and he was in school at an appropriate age when she was in school? Yeah. And I think it's like a Texas law thing. I have to look it up to be sure, but I'm pretty sure it's something like that. This, er but I know this area is just so gray for me. Because it's like, yes, 19-year-olds can now take advantage of that gap and not have been dating a 15-year-old in school and decide, hey, I want to take advantage of a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. It's like, if it, even if it seems weird, I feel like if you could have been in school at the same time, in high school at the same time, then, I mean, I guess... It's fine, technically, if you could have been in high school at the same time. So no more than four years. Yeah. It's probably a little weird, but still, I guess. Yeah, and my problem is, like, technically at 15, you can't consent. And I would agree that maybe at 15, while you think you can consent and make that choice, you really don't know what choice you're making yet. Though I don't know if in two years you really know. <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's it's a gray area because i i do feel like in this instance with this teacher yeah he shouldn't have been put on the that's not what the sex registry is for it's not for yeah. angry fathers to get mad that their teenage daughters have finally or have decided to consent to sex with their maybe one year older boyfriend and the father takes it yeah in. it's gotta be for like something more aggressive something not consensual truly not consensual yeah. and not statutory right like yeah something you can't chalk up to like manipulation or whatever right like they're just they're literally two years apart and they're in they're in love granted is it yeah. real love or not i don't know but at the time they truly think they're in love yeah okay where were we so they they discovered this guy this guy had this story it's a very believable story so they go back to Ella and they're like, Ella, tell us about this teacher. And she's like, he's creepy. He's into maggots and beetles and slugs. And Olivia was like, is there anything else creepy about him? And Ella's smart. She's smart. She was like, yeah. Yeah, there is. There is something else creepy about him. And she's like, can you tell me about it? And she was like, he's the guy. He's the guy that did this to me. And Olivia was like, well, tell me uh, about it. And she was like, well, he told me I was pretty and, and he wanted me. And 
we we went to his place after school one day and olivia was like how'd you get there and and ella's like thinking and olivia was like a car and she's like yeah it was a car he drove me to his house after school one day and olivia's like gotcha bitch he doesn't have a car he can't drive (laughs) i think that's one of my favorite things that olivia does is when she gets people to lie and then she calls them out for lying i love it yeah and and so ella was like well damn it (laughs) Uh, she got real quiet and olivia's like okay can you tell me who really did this now and ella was like not being cooperative at all uh so then olivia's looking around her room and she's like well who sent you those flowers and ella's like i bought it for myself and olivia goes over and reads the note and it said something sweet like thinking about you or or something not signed by anyone and she's like huh who they're from ella the guy that did this to you hmm ella and ella was basically like i'm not telling you because he's my prince and i'm gonna be his princess bitch (laughs) like flicked her hair back and everything She's just just not helpful. No. <laughs> so Olivia takes the tag and was like, speaking of someone else who's not helpful, took it back to the gang and was like, hey, Ella received flowers from this florist. Let's go check them out and see who sent her flowers. So they went to this high-end flower shop and this guy working it was <laughs> being ridiculous. Because Olivia was like, hey, who sent these flowers? And he was like, I can't tell you that information. And she was like, yeah, there's... <laughs> she was like, there's no such thing as florist client privilege. And I was like, dude. Okay, so I was watching this scene in the car with Dalton while he was driving. And I stopped it. And I was like, I've never heard of a florist being so adamant about not just saying who the damn flowers were from like why is it a big deal you don't what you don't even know what's going on and he's like well it's a high-end flower shop and i was like yeah but still and he was like well they probably have to hide affairs all the time and i was like well that probably makes sense but yeah uh but still that's not my problem (laughs) and also but i just don't think as a flower shop owner you can just be like i ain't telling you yeah i don't yeah i don't think that's an option (laughs) So, um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's an easy subpoena to get. It's... Probably looked at her, looked at him stupid when they asked for a subpoena for a flower <laughs> shop. Uh, and probably, I would have told him no, just go get it. And then Olivia threatened him by saying, like, hey, we'll also make sure people look into your taxes. And that freaked him out. And I was like, why are your, ta- if you're a high end flower shop, why don't you got your taxes in order, man? It's not a hard thing, okay? He's not filing all those tips he's been getting. <laughs> no. So he finally gives up the name, and it's like, the last name is Reigns, which apparently is a very prominent political family, and he's about to announce that he's going to run for his father's Senate seat. His father's retiring. He's like, I'm going to be the senator, Dad. D- don't worry. I got you. Um, so it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal like oh man do we actually go after this guy like what's what what's our leeway but olivia's over there like he sent flowers to a 13 year old girl we, we got to check this out so they go knock knock knocking on his house and 
Okay, him and his wife, very famous actors. I've seen the wife in so many things. Yeah, I remember the wife because she's kind of hot. Him, I remember. I just don't know what I've seen. Wasn't the wife in the 100? Wasn't she? Yeah, she's, she's the, the mom. mom in the 100. That's, but I know she's been in like a lot of other things. But that's what I distinctly remember her in. The 100, a great show that ended not so great. No, it dropped off at some point. I'm also very upset we never got the Clark Bellamy love story. Because I love them together. And that's how it ended in the books. They got married in the books. Um, Anyways, okay. So, continuing. So, they go knock, knock, knocking on the house. And they're like... We need to talk to Mr. Here. And the wife was like, or he, one of them was like, no, you can say whatever you need to in front of my wife. And Olivia's like, okay, so why are you sending flowers to a 13-year-old girl? And he was like, I don't know. A lot of people have access to that account. Who knows who did it or why? So they leave, but the the uh, house uh, maid housekeeper the maid. Yeah, and the maid was very hesitant to even let olivia and amaro in and she was like are you here about trip tripping their son so then they were like okay why didn't why why did she think we were here about trip and olivia was like maybe we should have been there about trip so pause to remember what happened next okay so then they did they go talk to trip yeah, they go look for Trip because he wasn't at home. I don't yeah. believe. So they they go find Trip at school. Trip is a thirteen year old asshole. No, oh, he's a dickhead. Yeah, that just comes from privilege. I mean, he just spews it in his arrogance. There's no doubt about it. So Amanda and Finn are talking to him, and they're like, "Hey, Trip." Can you tell us about, do you know Ella? And he's like, yeah, I know her. And she won't forget me. He's like, shut up. You're 13. So bad. Just straight ass. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, so like you did do something. And they're like, oh, you did do something. He's like, yeah, I popped her cherry or something. And I was like, okay, wow. We're just. I was like, oh, oh. We're going to just dive right into it. We're just confessing. He obviously doesn't think there's anything wrong with this at the age of 13. So that's when his bodyguard hops out of the car. And he was like, excuse me, officers. I also used to be an officer. So I know that, like, is he under arrest? And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, then he's not talking to you anymore. And they leave. But they're like, okay, well, Tripp's definitely the dad. Because he all but said he was. (laughs) Um. So then they go and talk to Ella again um, in an interview and they're like, okay, we know it was trip, wasn't it? And she was like, yes. So she tells the story about, it was around like 4th of July and our, her friend Arturo had invited her to a party at the Reigns house. Arturo was invited to the party because his mom used to work as a, as a member of the staff, household staff for the reins and so Artur was like raised in that house so him and trip were friends they're the same age and so trip invited him he invited ella and at the party trip was like okay this girl's hot 
and he offered her an alcoholic beverage her being a little good girl said no i don't drink very nice of her trip went and got her some lemonade showed him her the house she comes from a poor a low-income household and so this house was uh, in her mind a castle and trip was a prince and trip took her to her his bedroom offered her another lemonade turns out it was spiked he tried to or didn't try to he kind of forced himself on her she tried to say no so of course rich assholes do not stop and ella was crying and in pain and did not enjoy it so he found out that she she was just i was right basically yes so but ella was like but this was what broke my heart because she was like but he sent me flowers and said i was gonna be his princess he wouldn't just do that for anyone right it's like oh she's so young so wrong i mean and it's just it's just how young she is because yeah at 13 you think that means love she probably thought they were gonna run away together yeah she was he was about to change her whole life and her family's life yeah so poor girl um that's sad olivia left the interrogation she went to the room behind the mirror where was that alex alex was the alex and amaro were at and alex was basically like yeah i ain't prosecuting you ridiculous this which family is gonna say it's consent But Olivia, that pissed Olivia off. And then Alex was like, well, if you didn't like essentially bully her into her confession. And then Olivia turned around and was like, excuse me, counselor. And then Amaro was like, yikes, I'm too new to really know what's happening here. I'm going to. He's like, hey, it's only my second day. <laughs> I'm just going to back myself out of this room. This seems like there's a lot of tension here. So then Olivia and Alex kind of go at it. And Alex was basically like, you're off your game ever since Elliot left. And Olivia was like, no, you're just too scared to do anything. I like Alex. I think she's my favorite prosecutor. I do like Alex. Yeah. Her and um, Barbosa. Is that his name? Barbara. Yeah. Barb. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara. He, he's my, those two are my favorites. I do like him. Um, and so they then they they got in that they got in a heated fight. So then what happened? Amaro gave Olivia a little pep talk in the hallway. Yeah. So they went back to Tripp's parents and tried to talk to him like, hey, 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 buddy friend we know we know that it was not you that sent flowers to a 13 year old girl it was your son your son your son sent flowers to a 13 year old girl after he got her pregnant by raping her um and they were like no 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 i don't even think they went that far but then he was like let me go get tripped so the dad runs upstairs and he's like, Trip's not there. So the mom was worried. She's like, what do you mean he's not there? He's supposed to be there. 
and then everyone just kind of leaves. Olivia and Omar are like, hey, they seem like really concerned about their son. So they stake a car out there and they're looking and they're looking and a day has gone by and their son hasn't returned. And they're like, is this kid missing? This kid feels like he's missing. And then the mom finally comes into the police station and it was like, okay, yeah, our, our son is missing and we need help because we feel like he's in trouble. Can you help us? And they're like, yeah, sure thing. So she was like, okay, so the last time we saw him, he went to his fencing lesson at four, but he told his security not to pick him up, that he was going to walk home, and we haven't seen him since. And they're like, okay, 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 So they do a phone search, and they saw that the last call he made was from Arturo. So they go and talk to Arturo, and they're like, hey, have you seen Trip? You were the last person to talk to him. And they were like, and he was like, yeah, Trip wanted to come to Washington Heights to hang out for a bit, but... He never came. Like, I waited for him and he never came. And, our, like, Amaro was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And Arturo was kind of like, well, Tripp's a jerk. Like, I don't want to hang out with him anyways. And he's like, okay. So, then they find out, or Tripp's credit card, because every 13-year-old needs a credit card. Um, yeah. Was being used, like, popped up. And they're like, hey, it's being used at this gay club we should go figure that out i don't know why i thought this like whole side adventure was funny <laughs> it was the guy that they arrested for stealing the car he, he was funny yeah so they show up at this this club this gay bar and they're asking the bartender hey who's who's trip reigns and he's like that guy over there celebrating his two best friends just getting married and so they're like, hey, Trip, hey, Trip, this man's not turning around. Hey, Trip, hey, Trip, Trip. And he's still not turning around. And finally, they just walk up to the table and they're like, you need to come with us. And he was like, why? And they're like, because people usually turn around when you say their name. And so you're not Trip Reigns. So they take him back to the precinct and interrogate him. And he was basically like, I found the wallet and the ramble. And they're like, well, what were you doing in the ramble? And he was basically like, I was blowing this man for money. And they're like, well, obviously you don't have proof of that. And he's like, no, obviously I don't. Cause that's not like the man wrote me a check, honey. And Rollins <laughs> was like, honey, you need to calm down. And he's like, sorry, I get nasty when I get anxious. And I was like, same, same, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> And he basically was like, I don't know, I found it in the ramble. Like, go check the ramble. So then they got a big, a lot of swarm of people, and they're like, okay, gang, let's go check the ramble. They called in everybody. And I was like, it's only because he's rich. Are they calling in this many people? So they did it. They found Trip. He was dead. Blunt force trauma to the head. So they had to, you know, tell the family. The family was obviously distressed. Um, and the dad went to go, like, to the morgue to do the identification of his son. At the morgue, they're talking to him. And they're like, hey, do you think our tour could do this? And he was like, uh, hell no, he couldn't do this. Because he's too weak to do this to my son. Arturo's were weak, and my son was a star and an athlete, so obviously he couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, yeah. what? Yeah. Obviously he can't swing a bat. I, 
to someone's yeah, head. Yeah, I was like, okay, your logic makes no sense. Like, are you now, do you not want him to be the killer because you don't want to be humiliated that some weak kid killed your son? What? I don't know. It was weird. So they were like, okay, well, we definitely think it's our Toro. So then they do the, they go back to the precinct to have this kumbaya where they're looking into it because they're asking, hey, why did Artura's mom stop working for you? Because she speaks very highly of your family and seems like a great person. And he, the dad was like, oh, like legalization issues. Like the whole thing just seemed kind of off. So now they're back in the precinct doing their little thing, kumbaya. And someone was like, okay, well, she's been legalized for like 15 plus years. So like, that's not the reason what what's the reason and then they were like well he gave her a huge settlement of 2500 250,000 dollars for i was going to say i think there's some yeah there's a lot more there. money 250,000 a quarter of a million dollars when she left and they're like huh that's like a lofty like sign but senior sayonara package and someone paid for her co-op and they're like, okay, what's not adding up? And then Olivia finally puts it together. Oh, and then what happened was that they found the Artura's birth certificate that had his father's name on it. But then they found her divorce papers, which she had filed, like been divorced five years earlier, where in the filing, they said that they didn't have a child together. And they're like, well, that's weird. Like, how do you have a child? You don't have a child, but your child is being investigated. And Olivia puts it together and she's like, that's because this isn't a sayonara package. That child support. support. Yeah. And they're like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so then they pull Artura and his mom into the prinksing to interrogation room. And this is where I just started to cry, man. It just broke my little heart because they were like, okay, you just got to tell us what happens because we have his phone, we have your phone, so we know you're all in the park together. So start from there. And he's like, okay, I met him. Well, really, they were like, we know he wouldn't come to Washington Heights because he was a rich asshole. So he probably made you meet him somewhere. And he's like, okay, yeah, he was a rich asshole. I met him in Central Park in the Ramble. And they're like, hey, why? And he was like, well, he wanted me to bring Ella. And so I did. And Ella thought they were going to run away together, but really he was just yelling at her, like, why didn't you get the abortion? Why are you doing this? You're a whore. So Ella started crying. Arturo started defending her. And um, Trip pushed him down, rubbed his Trip pushed, yeah, pushed his face in the ground, threw money at him and said, okay, well, this is your fault because you brought her to my party. So I had to rape her um so you have to fix it you fix it here's some money and he was like no i don't want your money i'm not gonna do this and they got in a fight and trip walked away and Artur threw a rock at him and hit him in the head and then he grabbed the rock again and hit him in the head again and amaro was like okay but there's there's another reason why like why you did this right and he was like because i'm a reigns too and just started crying and he said he found out after the 4th of July party, he took a toothbrush, sent in a paternity kit that he bought apparently at Walgreens because you can apparently do that. That's what I didn't get. But I was like, I didn't know you could buy that shit. Next time I go to Walmart, I'm going to have to look in there. 
for the paternity test. Okay, because I feel like there's a small loophole here. How did he even go down the road of, oh, I should test my paternity? He didn't really explain. Yeah, he was kind of a jump. Yeah, he didn't explain that part of what made him think that he was a Reigns. Yeah, because it doesn't say his mom, like, ever told him or anything. Or he overheard something that would make him think that. Just that after the party, got a toothbrush into it and found out he was a Reigns. So he goes on to say that he showed the okay also it wasn't clear in the fact that he just kept i kept i showed him i showed him i was like trip or the dad who are we talking about so i think it was the dad and he showed the dad the paternity test the dad basically said oh that's when they had to move out and the dad was like you can't live here and i'll take care of your co-op and everything and basically screw you and and Artur basically said, I had everything living in that house, and then I got moved to nothing, and that's my dad. And Amara was like, he was like, I just wanted him to claim me or to recognize. So he, Amara was like, well, he's watching through that glass. Talk to him now. And it just made me tear up, man. It was so sad. He was like, I just wanted to be your son. Why could you not just say that I was your son? Yada, yada, yada. And, you know, then this the senator, wannabe senator's wife was basically like, how could you do this? And he's like, I didn't want to hurt you. And he, she was like, well, my son's dead now. So because of all of this. And he's like, I didn't want to ruin our family. And she just walked away and said, don't touch me. And that's pretty much how it ended. How sad. It was sad. I mean, the poor so your kid. own brother. Yeah. Even though your brother's an asshole. He just wanted to, he, when he was like, I'm arranged to broke my heart. And it made me really sad. Um, I didn't cry, cry. I just teared up for those of you wondering. You just, you felt them coming. I felt them. I was like, oh, this is heartbreaking, man. The kid just wanted, he had it all and then nothing all for what? Anyways, that was the episode. Do you know, you don't know what scandal this was based off of? I guess I can, Mm-mm. I didn't really know what scandal it was based off of either. I didn't know that this was a scandal, to be honest. I also will say, I did not know much about this man at all. How much do you know about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Mm, only a little bit. You're not going to tell me this is about Arnie. Today's episode is the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no. He's supposed to be a good man. Okay, I'm going to be real honest. My first impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger. One, I didn't really know that he was a some big bodybuilder. You didn't know that? Until I watched the documentary Killer Sally. And it was all about, like, this murder within the bodybuilding community. And everyone was like... They talked about how Arnold was the best. And I was like, I I guess I didn't realize that he was about he was like the big bodybuilding like he made it yeah he's the guy they got a statue of him yeah i didn't know that okay so that was my first and then also i kind of i i thought okay the man starred in a few movies in the 80s like he was the terminator or whatever but he wasn't like one of the big guys got proven wrong there and then i was like 
Then he became a politician, and I kind of just assumed he was a douche because <laughs> celebrities that become politicians are douches for the most yes, part. Um, so I just thought he was that. Um, in my research, I was proven wrong on many fronts. I mean, he still did some bad things. We're going to talk about him, but he's not. Okay. I watched this whole documentary several times because I watched it and then I was like, oh, I got to watch it again so I can write my script. Um, and I will say that in this past week of me doing this, I have been very motivated in the gym. Arnie's motivating. I listen to him sometimes when I'm in the gym. He's very motivated. I'm like, man, what would Arnold Schwarzenegger would not let me quit right now. And just this whole mindset. He's a fascinating guy. Mm -hmm. His story is really fascinating. Yeah. People think he's kind of like dumb jockey. He's really not. He's actually a very interesting person. He is. Because I guess I kind of thought that too. Like, I don't think he's smart. I think he got into politics because he's a star or whatever. But... No, he's really fascinating. Okay, so what did what do you know about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Mm, I know he's the governor of California. You know the Terminator movies, Predator, all his bodybuilding stuff. I've listened to, like some of his stories, some of his like motivational things when I'm in the gym. Him and David keep me going in the gym. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about his like actual personal life though. I think he's had a couple wives. No, just one. Or no, just one. Okay, and that's about it. Okay, so let's get into it. This is just really fun. I highly recommend everyone go watch the documentary. It's called Arnold. It's on Netflix, and it's told by him. There's just three parts, three one-hour parts. Um, and it, it goes through every... And it's also cool because, okay, so the whole thing's called Arnold. starts with an A. Then each part is the different parts of his career because he's obviously had three distinct careers. He was a bodybuilder, and that part's called athlete. And then the next part is about movies and that part's called actor and then it's about his politician and it's called american always it's creative hmm. so i highly recommend it i think it's it's fascinating uh my only problem with biographies like that like documentaries like that is it's told by the person it's about which is great in the aspect that you get their part like their side of it but also that means that they can tell the story in whatever way they want to tell a story their own spin yeah and that means that at the end of the day whoever they interview it's like okay well he's gonna cut what he wants or keep what he wants or ask what the people he wants to be in it i mean it's manipulation i don't know if that happened in this case i'm not saying it did but i'm just saying that's my only issue when i use that part as research that's fair i feel like all documentaries are like that though it's either the person it's about themselves and they get to manipulate or someone else gets to manipulate. Yeah. So you kind of need to hear both sides and then you just have to choose from yourself, which, what you want to believe. So I encourage everyone to do that. All right. So this is the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the scandal that was covered in this law and order SVU topic. If you were to ask people on the street, what Arnold Schwarzenegger is famous for, you would get a variety of answers, as me and Malik have discussed our answers. He was a bodybuilder. He was the Terminator. He was the California governor. He's married to a, or was married to a Kennedy. Did you know that part? I didn't know that part. You did? Yeah, I knew that part. I didn't know that. I was like, this man's married to a Kennedy? Okay. 
However, the SVU episode portrayed the one instance, and I wrote this before I really watched the documentary, and depending on who you ask, there might be two instances, but one definitive instance, where the celebrity politician athlete lost the grace of America, the country that adored him for years. But before we get into the scandal, we have to first understand the rich history of the characters of the R story. Arnold Schwarzenegger was born in Tau, Austria, in July 30th, 1947, to Gustav and Aurelia Schwarzenegger, and his childhood was complicated, and anything but roses. His father was the police chief, and before that was a Nazi soldier during World War II, which ended two years before Arnold was born. Growing up in a country who was defeated in a war and thus the men of the country were angry and bitter did not make for the most happy childhood. Besides physical abuse, Gustav would often pit Arnold and his older brother Minard, Minard, Minard against one another. It would be the usual who can run faster or who was stronger. But it was also little things. Like, Arnold told this one story on a Mother's Day. His dad was like, go out and you have one hour. Who can pick the most flowers for their mom? And they're they're going, they're going, and they come back. And his dad's like, Reiner, you did such a good job. You're so good. You're amazing. Arnold, you'll do better next year. So just things like that. Like, always, he, it was clear that Minard was definitely the favorite and that Arnold was always ridiculed for not doing enough or being enough or doing the best. It's too, I just said that. Arnold found an escape from the pressure of his family when he walked by a movie theater in 1961 and saw a poster for Hercules and the Captive Woman starring Reg Park. Reg's defined muscles really stood out to Arnold and it must have been fate because not long after Arnold saw Reg in the Hercules movie. He also spotted him on the cover of a muscle magazine. Inside the magazine, Reg talked about how he won Mr. Universe and and it had his training program in the magazine. Teenage Arnold was inspired and started idolizing Reg. Reg was kind of came from the same background as Arnold. He came from a little village. I think it was like around Rome and <clears throat> He was just spotted on the street in Rome, and someone was like, you should be Hercules. And that's kind of how, so he was really inspired of, this man came from nothing and made something of himself. I can do that. So, of course, if you want to follow in someone's footsteps, you should probably get on their training program. And that is what <laughs> Arnold did. He, he started following Reg's training program. Arnold competed in his first body competition in 1964 at the age of 16 and placed fourth. But in the same year, he won the Junior Mr. Austria competition. And let me tell you, his dad was not happy. Because, of course, what I've learned is that America is a... Or not America. Bodybuilding is a very much American sport. That is where the mecca of bodybuilding is, is in America. Gustav watching his son work out all the time. Arnold was telling it. He was like, 
He would ask me why I'm looking in the mirror so much and why I'm lifting weights so much. And if I wanted to do something with my body, I should go do something useful like chop wood. And he was just saying like, this is not a career that most Austrians take. You either like do something laborious like farm ranching or you uh, go play soccer. You do something like this was a whole new concept. And his parents were like, not, not on board with it. They're like, what's our son doing? And his mom was like, all of all of your friends have beautiful women above their bed, but you have oiled up men above your bed. Like, <laughs> what what's going on? What is happening? So, every man in Austria is required to serve in the military at least once in his lifetime. Arnold decided to get it over with at 18 so he could pursue his bigger dreams of making it to America. Because that was his ultimate goal. He wanted to get into bodybuilding, he wanted to be in the movies, and then he wanted to go to America, just like Reg Park. However, while in basic training, Arnold got invited to compete in the European Best Built Man in the Juniors Division. So, obviously, he wanted to do that, so he went to his superiors and was like, hey... Can I go compete in this competition? And they're like, well, no, hell no. You're in basic training. You can't just leave. <laughs> and he was like, cool, cool, cool. And he left anyways. So, yeah, sure. I'm going to stay. Next morning, where's, where's Arnold? I think, um, I think Austria has the opportunity to do the funniest thing right now and be like, hey, Arnold. You have to come finish out finish out your basic training that you ditched. You think you forgot? <laughs> we haven't. We're gonna we get haven't. you. Okay. We know you're seventy five, <laughs> but we're gonna get you before you die. We we saw you lifting all those weights. You can still do it. <laughs> um, But it, it paid off because he won and it was kind of like the spark that set off his career because he, he got he got noticed by some people. The next year he competed in the Mr. Universe competition in London. He placed second at the age of 19. The next year in London, Arnold met his idol Reg Park for the very first time. Not only that, but they got a pump in together. He worked out with his idol. <laughs> I'm sure that was like a shiny moment. That was probably an amazing moment. Like, can you imagine? He who's cried your tears. Idol? Who's your idol? I, I don't know. Can you imagine? But I'm sure if I lifted with him, I would have cried tears on the bench. <laughs> I would be like, like, what if I got a pump in with Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'd be scared. I'd be like, go heavier. And I was like, yeah, I'm so weak. Or like with Ronnie Coleman, I'd be scared. He's all beat up now who and hurt. That? You don't know who Ronnie Coleman is? Oh, who is that? When you when we get off this podcast, look up Ronnie Coleman. He's I would say he's basically Arnold, kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger as far as in the bodybuilding world. Mm. He won a bunch of times too. He's definitely more cut than Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's he comes after him though. I think. Yeah, it was Ronnie's fine because we'll get. I don't. I didn't bring this up later, but we will talk about it because obviously he eventually makes it to America. Go. I don't think that's a true spoiler. Um, but uh, so, because he was very fit for European, but when he came to America, they're like, uh. and so he showed up at one gym and, gym and they're like, 
said something about like his stomach being too pudgy because they're all cut. Like he had big muscles, but he wasn't, wasn't cut. cut. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you're pudgy. <laughs> you can't, you can't be in here with us. You're yeah, can you imagine telling Arnold Schwarzenegger your belly's a little too big <laughs> in his prime bodybuilding? He got to pump in with his idol. The next year, Arnold won Mr. Universe for the first time, then spent some time living and training in South Africa with Reg himself. In 1968, Arnold won Mr. Universe again. That's when he received a telegram from Joe Weider. Do you know who this guy is? I don't know who Joe Weider is. He's the father of bodybuilding. He's the one that put, like, is he the founded... old blonde guy? Old blonde guy? Well, is he like blonde? He's kind of got longer hair. In all the footage I saw in this documentary, he obviously was not bodybuilding anymore. Oh, <laughs> you said his name's Joe Weider? Yeah, uh, W E I D E R. Oh, that's the name. Yeah, this is the guy. Okay, okay. keep going. He's the father of bodybuilding. He's the one that put together the whole like bodybuilding federation and kind of got it all under one thing he had a lot of bodybuilding magazines i mean he was the founder essentially of bodybuilding so it's a big deal when this dude writes you up and says arnold you should come to america and compete here and compete in the mr universe competition in america because there was multiple mr universe's competition and turns out that there wasn't just one mr universe which one might apply if you're Mr. Universe, you would think that you're the one guy out of the whole universe, but that's wrong. You have Mr. Universe Europe, Mr. Universe America. I'm pretty sure there was a Mr. Universe South America or something. Um, so yeah, there there wasn't just one. Arnold, of course, went and placed second in the competition. And this broke him because he kind of thought he was the big deal. He was the guy he thought he could come to america i mean because he was like the thing in europe so he thought he could come to america and be like check me out but as we said before bodybuilding was much bigger in america than it was in europe so the competition was a lot fiercer and as we talked ronald had a little bit of a tummy But uh, still play second, so I would think that was still good. After the competition, like a puppy with his tail tucked between his legs, Arnold moved to Los Angeles to be around Joe Weider and the best of the bodybuilding community. This is where life really began for Arnold. He started dating a girl, and through her, he received... Okay, this is sad. So he started dating this American girl. You know, he's from Austria, she's in America, so he starts to spend holidays with her. Like, he says this was his first real introduction to, like, how America does Christmas, which is much different than how Austria does Christmas. And her family cooked him his first birthday cake. And he was like, this is the first time anyone sung me happy birthday. I was like, oh, that is a sad childhood. He was not only just training under Joe Weider, but Joe Weider kind of made Arnold the businessman he was today. He took Arnold under his wing as more than just like 
a body but like trying to teach him business aspects like how to market himself how to market anything um how to turn one dollar into two that was a quote from arnold schwarzenegger in the documentary uh he got he taught arnold that he was he was kind of making him his business protege he plastered arnold all over the magazines he also assisted arnold with getting into college to take some business classes and work on his english speaking in fact weeder taught arnold about real estate investments investments which made arnold a millionaire before he even starred in a movie he was already rich okay it was all what i didn't know he was already rich yeah, I didn't know that either. I kind of thought that that because like they, I would say that like you don't actually make money in bodybuilding. Most people don't make money in bodybuilding, but everyone says that, and then they say unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I guess he was. Yeah, I figured he was famous, just not rich. Yeah, but I think he was. So. In 1970, Arnold competed again in the Mr. Universe competition in London, this time against his idol, Reg Park. And he was like, I felt weird about it because he was my idol, but he won anyways. He knew he was ready for the next big challenge and he set his sights on the Mr. Olympia. So for those of you that don't know about bodybuilding, you have all the Mr. Universes and then Joe Weider, the godfather of bodybuilding was basically like, okay, but how do we know who the best of the best is? If we're all the Mr. Universes, which one of us is the best? So he created the Mr. Olympia. So you essentially had to um, be like a Mr. Universe and get invited to compete, right? Hello? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're asking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do, have to get invi- you do have to get invited. You have to qualify. So there's, there's definitely steps to it. Yeah. And like when I was watching the Killer Sally Dogs, Killer Sally documentary, which I highly recommend. That's a good one too. That's also really weird. So it's about this like bodybuilding couple. So it got a lot into the bodybuilding community. And okay. My favorite part of the bodybuilding community and story is the fact that like everyone's on steroids. And it's just okay. Like in the documentary, Arnold admitted, I was like, I was on steroids. Everyone's on steroids. Oh, they all admit to it. Yeah. Which because Go ahead. They, they admit to it because so they were all doing it. And then the Federation at some point was like, okay, like knock it off. Like no more steroids. This is every other sport. You're not allowed to do it. So you're not allowed to do it in our sport. Well, everyone that went to the competitions thought they were boring or weren't impressed because they were used to seeing these really muscly people. And that was like the draw where it's like, oh my God, look at these people and how they look. But when they weren't taking steroids, they didn't look as good. So no one was impressed. So then the Federation was like, ah, screw it. You can take steroids. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I remember this because they let them take steroids now. It's kind of just on you if you abuse it or not. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's one of the fascinating little facts I find about the community, the bodybuilding community. It's just like, it's all okay. Okay. 
so he's 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 like, all right, I'm ready for the Mr. Olympia. Sign me up for that shit. He competed in his second. Okay, so he competed in his first Mr. Olympia, got second. He competed in his second Mr. Olympia in 1970. Do you know how he won this one? Do you know the story of it? Mm-mm. Okay, so him, I forgot the other guy's name, but him and this other guy, they're on stage. They're having like a pose off, posing all different ways, just going at it. Yada, yada, yada. Look at my biceps. And then Arnold was like, hey, man, you know, I think they've seen enough. Like, the judges know by now who they're going to choose. We should just stop. And so the other guy was like, okay. So he stops and walks off the stage where Arnold keeps going for a second, looks back and go like, makes this gesture of like, oh, he's just quitting? And like, make a big deal out of it and walked off the stage. Like, oh, he's a quitter. And like, won. So Arnold won that one strategically. I don't know if that's allowed, but okay. <laughs> he got in his head. <laughs> Arnold persu- proceeded. Arnold proceeded to win Mr. Olympia in 70, 71, 72, 73, and 74. So if you're counting, that's five. Five Mr. Olympias he won. And I think it was seven Mr. Universes. Yeah. At his peak, Arnold would receive devastating news. His brother died in a single car collision accident where his brother had been drinking and driving. Within a year, Arnold's father died from a heart attack. He didn't go back for either of the funerals. No. Cut him off. It's just so much. It's just such a complicated because it wasn't like he hated him, but also it was like he he got out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He got out. We talk about like he getting out of prison or something, or leaving a well, bad he got life. Out of the cycle of well, this is what I came from. This is just what I'm gonna be. Yeah. Arnold bounced back. But this time he wanted to focus on marketing himself. Kind of like he was the he was like the first I guess maybe Joe Weeder was, but he was probably like the first most well-known fitness influencer, would you say? Yeah. He was probably the first fitness influencer and I mean he was going on shows, like talk shows and showing like different workouts and kind of making those types of rounds and and you know doing advertisements and and things like that. And this was all part of his bigger plan. He wanted to be a bodybuilder. He wanted to be in the movies and he wanted to move to America. And he's kind of already done two of those things. So in the height of his bodybuilding career, after winning five Mr. Olympias back to back, Arnold announced he was leaving the sport of bodybuilding. His new sights were set on the big screen. Arnold had been a guest on some shows and did a really bad Hercules movies movie. It's really bad. But in the 70s, everyone in Hollywood told him he was too big. His muscles would not sell on the big screen. Oh, how wrong were they? Well, I mean, he did kind of lose his muscles. Uh, yeah, I guess so, a little bit. 
But I guess if you're not fully committed to bodybuilding, why keep them that big? Okay, so it's also... This is like a theme through Arnold's life. The this theme that he just has this mindset of, okay, I came and did it. I'm ready for the next thing. At the height of different points in his career. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like keeping going, keep winning Mr. Olympias and just wait until the point where you start to fall off. I can kind of like, respect right. it. I do. He's like, and and you could describe it as like, I'm kind of bored with it. Like, yeah, kind of get I'm your fill to- with it and then move on. Yeah, he was like, I'm ready to challenge myself in another way. And he kind of kept this like a slogan. And we'll talk about where the slogan kind of came from of like, stay hungry. Like, just because you got that one goal you wanted to achieve, stay hungry, go for the next one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what kind of fascinating, uh, what I kind of like about him is like, okay, I came and achieved. What are we going to do next? I don't think a lot of successful people are like, okay, I achieved it. And then just spend the rest of their life maintaining it and not trying to achieve the next thing. But yeah, so he was like, all right, I'm ready for the movies. And the movies were like, we're not ready for you, buddy. Back it up. (laughs) But that's okay because Arnold's first break would come in starring in Stay Hungry. It was a book by Charles Gaines about bodybuilders that was going to be adapted into a movie. After filming Stay Hungry and before it came out, Charles Gaines asked Arnold to star in a documentary that Charles Gaines and George Butler were putting together about bodybuilding called Pumping Iron, which debuted at the 1977. Okay, Arnold said it weird. I always heard it as the Kane music movie festival or the cons the cane that sounds familiar it's a big one but it's not pronounced the way it's spelled so i think it's cane movie festival where it was the hottest and biggest movie at the festival this thing pumping iron was apparently the shit have you ever heard of it Mm -hmm. i've heard of it i've never heard of it you know i'm surprised you never heard of these things I'm kind of surprised. Literally, I just thought this man started in the Terminator. We're going to get into what all he started. And I was aghast at how big of a star he was. I was like, I did not know. I thought this man was just, just the Terminator. The- nah, he was that dude for a while. He was. Okay, we're getting into it. In the same year Stay Hungry was released, this would be the film that earned Arnold his first Golden Globe for Newcomer of the Year. He was just like kind of instant. Well, he wasn't really instantly successful. He did get a lot of no's before this. 1977 was a big year for Arnold because that is also when he met Maria Shriver at the Robert F. Kennedy Celebrity Tennis Tournament. Maria was born on November 6, 1955, to Sergeant Shriver and Eunice Kennedy, who was the sister to JFK. So that makes Maria JFK's niece. 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 When she and Arnold first met at the tennis tournament, Maria had just graduated from Georgetown University with a degree in American Studies. She was all set to start her first job as a writer slash producer at the TV station KYW in Philadelphia. 
there, the weekend of the tennis tournament, the two spent a lot of time together. So there was the story. So they had like the pre-party before like the tennis tournament. And that's where he met Maria. And then at the tennis tournament the next day, he was like, Maria was looking at me the whole time. And then after the, after the tennis tournament, Maria came up to him and was like, hey, we're all going to Hannahsport for the night, like to party and drink there. Do you want to come? And he was like, yeah, but I'm only in my tennis shorts. Let me go back and change. And she's like, no, that's fine. Like we all run around in shorts up there. She's like, cool, cool, cool. Well, let me go. And I think they took like a plane or something to go to wherever they were going. So he went, they're partying all night. Obviously he stays in like a guest bedroom. Maria wakes him up in the morning. He's like, okay, come on, we're going to church. Because Rose Kennedy was going to church, which was her grandmother. And that's like what they did. And he's like, oh my God, I'm only, I only have shorts. And she's like, that's fine. You have to go to church. And he's like, this was a test. I knew it was a test. <laughs> so he wore like Bobby Kennedy's like dress shirt and like tennis shorts and shoes and went to church with like Rose Kennedy. She's probably popping out of those clothes. <laughs> and yeah. And so him and Maria just fell in love that weekend. Honestly, watching him talk about her, we're going to talk about where, how it all ends, but it really sounds like they were in love. And they were really cute. They were really cute. They were together for like a really long time, if I remember right. They're not together anymore, I don't think. But Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. Okay, in 1978, Arnold was approached about starring as Conan the Barbarian. Of course he accepted, but what he came to find out was that the filming would be a grueling experience as he had to perform all the stunts himself since there was not someone that looked like him. <laughs> That would, yeah, that would suck. Especially if you're, and like, I, just not the stunt guy. Or, like, the yeah. fear guy, or whatever you want to call it. Adrenaline junkie, I guess is the word. And, like, he said it was fine for, like, the first take and, like, the second take. But after, like, four or five takes, he's like, I would actually be bleeding. <laughs> and if, like, your whole movie's action, then you're probably doing so many stunts over and over again. I bet his body was in pain. And apparently his cat? director. <laughs> yeah, that is a cat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we can talk about that later, but keep going, keep going. Um, ab <laughs> apparently his director was like a hard ass, not like in a mean way, but just like he wanted to get it right. So he was like not above like going out in the cold or going on all night to get the perfect shot. But it, it paid off. And what also paid off was that Arnold, he's different than a lot of actors because he saw act like acting as a two-part business. One, it was the filming and the acting. Two, it was promoting the movie, selling the movie. So he would film the movie and then he would basically tour around. And, I, and a lot of movies do that now, but... I don't know if at the time, but like he was very promo tour. Yeah, very much into traveling around, talking about the movie, promoting it, uh, being gung ho about it. Just, just he has a really interest, like a really cool personality too. Like, he just he seems a really, like a fun guy. Yeah, which I didn't think he 
I before I researched him, I didn't think he was, but now that I'm this is a really cool personality, man. And it all it all paid off because Conan reached 900, 900, 90 million at the box office. So this is he's starting to do something. Arnold's next big break came when he met Mike Metavoy at a party, and Metavoy introduced the idea of the Terminator to Arnold. Tell me if you know this story about the Terminator. Terminator. At first, Arnold was hesitant because it seemed like a B-list movie, but he fell in love with James Cameron's writing, so he agreed to play the part of Reese. Do you know who was originally cast as the part of the Terminator? I don't. O.J. Simpson. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was going to be the Terminator. I haven't seen the Terminator, but O.J. Simpson was going to be the Terminator, and Arnold was going to be some guy named Reese. You haven't seen the Terminator? No. Aren't you supposed to be this moviegoer? TV connoisseur. I know a lot about movies without having actually watched the movies. Fair enough. I listened to a podcast about like the behind the scenes of movies. So I learned a lot that way, but I, I never watched them. Um, okay, so yeah, OJ Simpson was going to play the role of the Terminator. However, I don't know if this was a joke in the movie or not in the, a joke in the documentary if this is true but arnold said that no one in the production was convinced that oj could play a killing machine hmm. how the tides have turned <laughs> and he said let me prove it to you <laughs> uh so i don't know if that's the real reason oj was not in the movie or if there's conflicts, timing conflicts, or if they were just like, he, he's not a great actor. I don't know. Anyways, obviously, OJ did not end up in the movie. He did not do it, but he did no. do the other thing. He was a killing machine at one point. He, they got Allegedly. that part right. Allegedly. What? Allegedly. <laughs> um... Where was I? So mm. James Cameron approached Arnold with the idea of playing the Terminator because like through talks and lunches, it was clear that Arnold really understood the character and like how the character needed to act and how he needed to be this machine. But Arnold was very against the idea at first. He didn't want to play the villain and the character didn't have many lines. He Arnold wanted to be a star. He was not okay with being some like big character or just some guy. He was like, I'm gonna be a star. I need all the lines I could get. And James Cameron was like, dude, you 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 need trust me, you need to play the Terminator. And Arnold was like, Okay, let me think about it. And he's like, Yeah, think about it. But the more Arnold thought about the movie, he envisioned the more he envisioned himself as the Terminator, and well, we all know what he decided. I am the Terminator. <laughs> Thus, the B-listed movie that everyone thought was just going to be another average action movie made the critics list of the top 10 movies of 1984 
and launched Arnold's movie career. Did you know the line, the line, I'll be back? That was mm -hmm. like improvised, not the line itself. Like James Cameron wrote the line, but he's like, it's just supposed to be, I'll be back. There wasn't supposed to be anything about it. And Arnold's like, yeah, I somehow ended up as like one of the most quoted lines ever. Yeah, he's got a lot of great one-liners. Like, get to the choppa. That's one of my favorites. What does he say? Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. The 80s were the first time the term action guy got was really used before this there was like action in movies okay so in this part of the documentary they were also interviewing sylvester stallone and we'll talk about why they're interviewing sylvester stallone um too but he was basically saying like before the 80s action wasn't really a guy action was like car chases and explosions but it wasn't like just one guy causing action with his body and the 80s were like the time that this action guy action hero really like started coming around and it was really a competition between sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger to be that guy they spent their 80s competing against each other in in action movies i mean they were like arnold like killed so many people in this movie. So I have to kill so many people in that movie. Sly, you know, survive shot this many shots. I have to shoot that many bullets. He did this. I have to do this in my next one. And really just like went back and forth. Like, um, what ha like Sylvester's came out with Rambo. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger came out with, what is it? Com Terminator. Commando. Commando. I don't know what you're what movie you're talking about. Let me see real quick. It's something just like Rambo. I mean the movie. There's like an army movie he's in. Yeah, I think it's 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 the one where he says get to the choppa. Hold on. Let me find it. Oh no, I meant to. Yeah, com there's Commando. one called Commando. Yeah. Yeah. So Sylvester Stallone started in Rambo. He started in Commando. I mean, literally going back and forth, and they did not like each other. Like, it was a full blown war between these two, like, big actors to be the biggest one. I didn't know that. Did you know that? That they were competing against each other all of the 80s? I didn't know that, but it makes sense that it kind of matches up. I actually wonder now who's got the higher like net worth. I don't know who has a higher net worth because Sylvester Stallone kept. It would have to be like the net worth of the eighties, like who was the biggest star. But I think either even Sylvester Stallone, he started out. Arnold said he started out ahead. Sly did, but Sly said later, I think in the documentary that Arnold ended up winning. I don't know. Yeah, but they did it... not like each other. I would assume it's Arnold just because he does more stuff than Sylvester. He's mostly just movies. And Arnold, you know, has the Olympia thing, the movies, Governor. Yeah, but we're just talking about stuff. movies, man. But yeah, just movies. That's a good question. I think Rocky's probably more popular than, than See, all that's what I, I mean, as myself, I knew more Sylvester Stallone, Sly, than I did Arnold. Like, I personally thought he was the biggest star. 
So maybe the test of time at the time, Arnold was the bigger one, but the test of time, Sly is the bigger one. I just think it's yeah. there's, their little beef is so funny to me. I think they're friends now. Didn't they do um, the indestruct the Expendables or? I was say, aren't they in a movie together? Yeah, later. Isn't it the Expendables when they got like all the action guys together? Mm-hmm. He is in the Expendables one and two and. Sylvester's in the Expendables too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's this yeah, two and like together. Jason Statham and yeah, they're in the movies together. All the big actiony guys. So maybe they're. I think they're friends now. Sure. In 1983, Arnold officially became a U.S. citizen, which he describes as one of his proudest achievements. But Arnold's career wasn't the only ones taking off. After only spending one year in Philadelphia, Maria moved up the chain to be a writer and producer for the Evening Magazine in Baltimore, which I think by Evening Magazine, that was a television show. Mm Mm-hmm. Then in 1983, she became a national news correspondent for CBS, and not long after that, the co-anchor for CBS Morning News. Then in 1985, Arnold took Maria out to Austria to see his village tall. When they were there, Arnold rode her out on a boat in the middle of the lake and proposed. He popped the question in such a romantic way. Real love right there. I'm telling you, their love story is kind of cute. It seems random, a Kennedy and Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's kind of cute. Just a year later, the two were married in Hannahsport, and what I can only imagine that was a huge and luxurious wedding. Can you imagine how many famous people were there? Oh, they all had to be there. Uh, it had to be huge. Like the wedding had to be huge. It was probably most the biggest, most elegant wedding you've ever seen, compared to a royal wedding. I know. In the same year, Maria left CBS for NBC, where she was the anchor and news correspondent for the TV magazine Main Street. Then starting in 1987, she started co-anchoring the Today Show on Sundays. In the meantime, Arnold starred in the movie Twins with Danny DeVito. Do you know this movie? Mm -mm. I had never heard of this movie either. But apparently it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's biggest movie. Really? At the time. Yeah. Oh, at the time. I was like, I don't really. I don't. See, that's what I think. I Danny DeVito thinks it's like the biggest movie um, still. But I think, I mean, I don't think anyone knows him for twins. Yeah, I was, uh, it looks like of, a good movie though, because it's like how Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's about how Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito play twins, and they didn't know they were twins, or they they didn't know they had a twin, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger found out and came to find Danny DeVito and was like, "You're my twin," and it's just funny because like they're two completely opposite people, obviously. Huh. So it looks like a good movie. I I would watch it. So. It was, I mean, it did better than their Terminator. 
to do better than Predator. Honestly, they didn't even bring up Predator in the documentary. That's disrespectful. <laughs> and then in 1989, the couple welcomed their first child, Catherine, in the same year Maria became a correspondent for Dateline, and Arnold focused not just on movies, but on deals to, like, market himself. He now was like, I'm not going to just put out movie after movie. I'm going to do some marketing. I'm going to do some different things. He kind of started the cigar boom. Did you know this? Here's some. I didn't know this. He I do love like, cigars. But... He was, like, the first big celebrity... Apparently, he was just always walking around with a cigar, like, on movie sets and in movies and everywhere. So, he made cigars popular. And then everyone was like, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger smokes a cigar, so I want a cigar. Hmm. I wonder if he has his own brand. I'm going to have to get it. Okay, also fun fact. He also helped develop the first commercial Hummer. I didn't. I didn't know that. But I did know he was like associated with Hummers, but I didn't know that fact. I just he thought, loves Hummers, man. Yeah, I just thought he just liked Hummers. No, well, I think he like he liked driving them in the movies, and when he was in the Austrian military, he was doing um. He wanted to drive the tank. They told him he was too big, but then his dad pulled some strings, and they're like, "Okay, you can drive the tank." Um, so I think he's always been fascinated, and then he was like, "Everyone should have a Hummer. <laughs> Let's make a commercial." So he did. I had no idea Arnold Schwarzenegger was associated with Hummer. In 1991, they welcomed their second child, Christina, into the world. And then in 1993, their son, Patrick. In 1994, Arnold and James Cameron teed up again on the movie True Lies. This time they brought in Jamie Lee Curtis to co-star with Arnold. This And this was like the first... Okay, so this idea came because Bobby Kennedy was like, hey, Arnold, you need to go watch this French movie or whatever. He was like, okay, I'll go watch it. And it was like an action comedy, which was like kind of a new concept to America at the time. So Arnold went to James Cameron. He was like, you got to go watch this movie. We should do a movie like that. And that's what True Lives is. It's like one of the first like action and comedy movies. Hmm. Uh, so... All this to say was that Arnold wanted to prove that he wasn't just this action guy. He wanted to be, he wanted to show he could do comedy. He wanted to show he could do different things. That he was like all around just good. This would be the last big film of his prime, I would say. This one did really well. He did a, the Terminator 3, but we all know how sequels go. Pretty much up to the third, it's like, eh, who cares anymore? Mostly because Arnold, once again, became bored, just like he did with bodybuilding. He had a goal. He wanted to be a Hollywood star. He had another one. He wanted to prove he wasn't just some action guy, and he did both. He accomplished what he wanted, and it was time to move on to the next thing. It just amazes me. This like idea is like, all right, I'm good. Also, do you know who his daughter Catherine is married to now? No, I don't. Chris Pratt. Really? Yeah. 
Um, and I think Chris Pratt cheated on his other wife with her. Like, I was going to say, I thought Chris Pratt had a different wife. Yeah, I think he had an affair, and it's now with Katie Schwarzenegger. I think it's crazy when celebrities have affairs with other celebrities. Like, that's not going to get out. Let's see who his wife was. You cheating sack of shit. Anna Ferris. Yeah. Okay, so apparently I learned from my friend in the gym the other day because I was telling her I was doing this. And I was like, yeah. And then Chris, she's married to Chris Pratt. And she's like, my friend was like, did you see like what just happened? I don't know if it just happened, but she told me how. Okay, so Anne Ferris and Chris Pratt have a child together that's special needs. Well, apparently when Catholic when him and Catherine Schwarzenegger had a baby, he was like, thanks for giving me a healthy one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> no bueno. In 1997, Maria gave birth to the last of her children to a boy named Christopher. In the same year, Arnold went to the hospital for a valve replacement where he encountered life-threatening issues during surgery which caused him to have another surgery his first surgery failed and then they're like we got to rush you to an another one thankfully that one worked out but obviously everything turned out okay because he wasn't or because we haven't even entered the third act of arnold's career the same cannot be said for his mother who suffered from the same like heart condition as arnold she passed away in 1998 while visiting her late husband's grave. She died right on her husband's grave. That's sad. Isn't that like the saddest love story? Yeah, that that sucks. At this point, Arnold was ready to shift his career again. By just being around the Kennedys, he was introduced to politics and found the conversations fascinating. Then Maria's mother got him involved in the Special Olympics, from which President George H. Bush appointed him as the chairman of the President's Council of Physical Fitness and Sports. Another one of Arnold's idols was Ronald Reagan. He would often say, if Reagan could do it, why can't I? Did you know that Reagan was also a movie star? I didn't know that. I didn't. How did you not know that? These are like some people's like, when you look up their like bullet points of life, it's like right there. It's up at the top. I've never looked up Ronald Reagan's bullet points of life. Oh, well, that's your fault. Honestly, it's funny the things that I, I feel like I know a lot of things that about like pop culture and history that some most people don't know, but then I don't know the things that everyone knows. You missed out on the big stuff. You're looking too like, deep in between the lines. I know that, uh, what was the name of Ronald Reagan's wife? Um, Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan was pretty, was apparently well known for her blowjobs. I know that. I've, Didn't I've know Ronald Reagan. What? I've heard that before. You haven't seen those shirts? Oh, what? There's like what Nancy shirt? Reagan like blowjob shirts. Likes blowjobs. Or it's something about like Nancy Reagan giving good blowjobs. I've seen it in a hot topic before. But yeah. Okay, they, so I they got I go knew ahead. that. 
did not know Ronald Reagan was in a movie. Yeah. Um. Okay, but I learned. So Arnold had his sights set on being the gunner, gun, governor of California. He started putting the feelers, feelers out there by advocating and campaigning for Proposition 49, the After School Education and Safety Act, which ultimately won big in 2002. In 2003, California had a recall election for Governor Gray Davis, who apparently everyone hated. Arnold knew this was his time to shine because recall elections did not require a primary and the campaign campaign period was only two months, six weeks. However, Maria was not on board. She was like, no, you know, no, no. I've done this before. My family's done this before. This sucks. Being So being a Kennedy, she knew what politics could do to a family. She knew they would no longer have any privacy and all eyes would be on the public and they come through all your history. So she was very much against Ronald running. I mean, I, and who could blame her? She was a Kennedy. Nothing in her life was private for her whole life. And Arnold even talked about how, like, when he fell in love with Maria, she, like, she was a little rebel because she really didn't want to be in part, not a... She wanted to be a part of the Canadian family, but she she didn't want to be this politician. She didn't want anything to do with it. She didn't like it. And, like, who can blame her? I mean, look what it did to her family. They literally died. They literally died. Several of them. But on the day that Arnold was going on Jay Leno, Leno, presumably to announce if he was running or not, Maria slipped him a note under his bathroom saying her thoughts on if he decided to run. And Arnold knew that was Maria's way of saying she could be on board with him running. So that night, he went on Jay Leno and announced he would be running for California governor. Also on the ballot for the recall election was Gary Coleman. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. What show was he oh. It was um, the Gary Coleman Grill. No, he's not that the actor. The, the he's a short guy, the small yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, those aren't Isn't his he grills. Also, aren't or I thought they were different strokes. I don't. Have you never seen different strokes? I'm pretty sure the grill goes with that Gary Coleman. I thought the one that created the grill was a fighter. Oh, it's not the Gary Coleman grill. It's the George Foreman grill. He's <laughs> George Foreman fighter. You know, I said Gary Coleman because of freaking Drake and Josh when they had Okay, that yeah. That's why I was confused. I was like, man, I know he made this stupid grill. It's George Foreman. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Coleman from Different Strokes ran. Larry Flint who was the founder and publisher of the Hustler magazine, ran. <laughs> Mary Carey ran, who was a porn star at the time. Angeline ran, who was some, she did like, they said bit parts. And then there was like a little like clip of her at the time in the documentary. And she was like, there's just too much beige and brown in office. It needs a little pink. It's like, okay, well, you're, not you. <laughs> and a former cop that wanted ferrets to be legalized as pets. 
You couldn't name a more like Hollywood (laughs) Californian ballot than that. I think there was like other normal ones, but those were like the notable ones. And then it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger and everyone's like, well, hey, if all these other people are running, why not Schwarzenegger? Like, he's kind of the most normal out of all of these. Because, like, Gary Coleman had a lot of issues. Like, his own legal and health and I alcoholism, I think. Yeah, I don't know if he's an alcoholic. Yeah, I don't know if at this... I'm t- he had a lot of issues. So, and wouldn't pick him for the good. Then you can't... I don't know how a porn star would go over... <laughs> I'm sure every woman would watch all of her press conferences. Yeah. So Arnold was a great candidate. He had amazing people skills. He had great one-liners. He had the personality, and California voters were eating it up. California loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's not to love about the guy? Honestly. At this but, point, at least. Yeah. I mean, and he really does have, like, that... He's really good at making people love it. He has such a great personality. He's always happy. <laughs> but as with any campaign, your past is brought to light, and Arnold's was not as clean as everyone thought. Five days before the election, the LA Times ran a story about women coming forward with allegations against Arnold Schwarzenegger, saying that he grew up their breasts, made sexual comments to them, and that in one instance, he tried to take off one woman's bathing suit in an elevator. Okay, I don't know exactly when all these women's were women were saying it occurred, but the documentary made it sound like this had occurred when Arnold was in bodybuilding. Hmm. I guess so that like, would make more sense before he yeah. gets super famous. And like met Maria. Yeah. I did not confirm though, but that's what it made it sound like. It sounded like was that these were like back in the day. Arnold denied the allegation. Okay. He kind of made a good statement when all this came out because he said it wasn't true, but he did say, hey, back in my days, bodybuilding, yeah, I didn't do all of the right things. I was on rowdy movie sets. I probably did things that I thought were playful that others found offensive. And if you were one of those people and I offended you, I am really sorry, but that's just not who I am now. Which I think is actually a really good statement. Because it's not just saying, hey, they're liars. It's saying, like, yeah, I wasn't always the best person. It it takes kind of ownership without being like, yeah, I did grow up someone. So if you're going to deny it, it's probably the best way to deny it. Yeah. It's like also when Kobe Bryant's whole thing happened, I thought he also handled that well. Yeah. I think, yeah, he did a good job. Because he basically did the same thing. Was like, I thought it was consensual, but I could see, like, now that she may not have felt the same way, and I apologize for that. Um, Maria even made a statement in support of her husband against the allegations. Um, Of course, and we know that this really didn't have any impact because Arnold Schwarzenegger won the election anyways. Despite all the statements. And women coming forward. Arnold would be the first one to admit that when he entered the office, he wasn't sure what he was supposed to do. So he would walk around the Capitol introducing himself to different people. 
That's when he set up a smoking tent on the grounds of the Capitol, you know, so he could have his cigars. A place where he would invite people to socialize so he could schmooze them. And honestly, just learn. But in the public, but in a public, it was in a public place where everyone could see who was coming and going from the smoking tent. Arnold was brought, brought unique strategies to the office. By blowing the initiative strategy and onto a large scale, he would personally go across California to get signatures for legislation he wanted to pass. But ultimately, every one of his initi- initiatives were rejected, and everyone started to turn on him. They were like, "He sucks!" I, and his voter, like the thing where they're like, "Do the voters still like you?" Voter poll or whatever numbers were as bad as. Um, Gray Davis's when everyone's like, well, let's recall him. But he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, so he doesn't just give up. So he turned around and he asked Susan Kennedy to be his new chief of staff. Arnold was a Republican. She was a Democrat. Arnold was a man. She was a woman. Arnold was straight. She was a lesbian. Arnold was married to a Kennedy. Her last name was a Kennedy and she had no relations to a Kennedy, but it looked good. They were the perfect balanced. And just like that, California loved him again and reelected him as the governor. This time, he focused on environmental problems and trying to cut California's greenhouse gas emissions. He did such a good job, he got invited to speak at the UN Council for Climate Change. And he did such a good job that even President Obama took the standards that he set for California and made them national standards. So he did some good things. Okay, Arnie. But all of the success he had as the governor took a toll on his family. He would spend four days a week in Sacramento while his family continued to live in LA, meaning he missed his children's events sometimes. And it took a toll on his marriage. He told a story about how his kids used to do like their homework and stuff on his, his movie sets. And then like when they started filming, they would come and watch and they thought it was so cool. And they loved that, but then he became the governor and they got to come to, you know, the Capitol and just hang out there. And they're like, well, this is kind of boring compared to what you were doing. (laughs) So he just wasn't around as much. In 2011, during a therapy session, Maria confronted Arnold about potentially being the father of the housekeeper's son. Joseph was the son's name. And Arnold confessed that Joseph was, in fact, his son. Joseph was also born in 1997, one month apart from his youngest son. That's crazy. Just like SVU. Honestly, those two women were probably pregnant at the same time. And it kind of sounds like they, like, knew each other, got along just fine. Could you imagine being happy for each other and being like, this is so cool. We're both pregnant at the same time. We're both pregnant at the same time. And the housekeeper, okay, so no one really knew that this was Arnold's son. The housekeeper didn't even know. She had a husband, you know, at the time of the affair. And so she kind of thought it was his son. But the older that the son got, the more and more he started to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And everyone, that's when everyone kind of started getting suspicious of like, oh my, wait a second. Why Why do you look like Arnold? And so Maria, just based off of the suspicions of what the son looked like, she went to the housekeeper and was like, 
is this Arnold's son? And she was the housekeeper was like, yeah, I think so. That's crazy. Yeah. That'd be the last housekeeper we ever had. Of course, this meant that Maria and Arnold, Arnold separated after 25 years of marriage. And the story broke to the public that Arnold had an affair with a member of his household staff and fathered a child with her. Since it was made public, Arnold has taken full responsibility and admitted his mistakes. But he ha he had said this quote, quote, it was wrong what I did, but I don't want to make Joseph feel like he's not welcomed in this world because he's very much welcomed in this world. And I love him. Arnold has continued to be in Joseph's life and the rest of his children's lives. He and Maria co-parent really well. They show up to important events in the children's lives together. They still respect each other. Arnold speaks very highly of Maria, a woman who put her career on holes for his to thrive because in 2003, Maria had to leave MB Maria had to leave NBC as a conflict of interest arose um, now that she was the first lady of California, so she couldn't report the news. But in 2013, she made her return to NBC. And that's where the life and story of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver ends as of today. This was the story of a boy from an Austrian village making the American dream come true. The American dream. Getting married, getting divorced, having an affair. Okay. The affair is awful. But again, he takes so much responsibility and it seems very genuine where he comes from. Mm -hmm. And he has, in all essence of it, he has tried to do right by all the people he was affected, like he hurt. His children, his wife, he's like, I've hurt them and I've hurt, you know, Joseph and his mom. And he... I mean, he paid for Joseph to go to college and he still hangs, he's in his life. And I'm not saying what he did. I mean, I'm not trying to justify what he did, but I am saying that of all the celebrities that I've seen that's had affairs, he has probably handled it the best. That's true. I give it to him. Yeah. And Kobe, like you mentioned. Yeah. Good for Arnie. No one, that's because everybody loves Arnold. Everyone hated and, you. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think that's why he was like able to bounce back from this and not everyone like jumped on him and said, he's canceled and we all hate him. It was like, he basically said, you should hate me. Well, I shouldn't have done that. She deserves better. Like I can't fix it. I don't want my son to think that he was a mistake, but. You just kind of owned up to it and. Instead of and made around. right by it. Yeah. Try to do right by it. Made his son feel it, that little comment he the quote he had about his son where he's like I don't want him to make him feel unwelcomed he is welcomed. Good guy. Yeah, I was reading. They like built like an add-on house for him. For oh, him for the and, son. Yeah, like the son and the Housekeep maid housekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he like did it like an add-on house so that way they could be close. Nice. See, he's trying to do all of the right things. You know. Sense. Yeah, that's nice. I don't know. Actually, is that even nice? Like, 
they can't stay in the house, but they're they're on the outskirts of the house. But also, it's I mean maybe it's because the housekeeper was like, I want my own life. I, we're not together. We have a child together, but true, true. I don't want to live with you. <laughs> No, it's, it gets too weird if we're all in the same building. There's yeah. too many women walking around. Yeah, like we, we share a son. We do not have to share a life. So what did you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Did you learn something new about him? Mm-hmm. Everything, almost everything you said was something new except for the big stuff. All the little stuff was new. All yeah. the big stuff I knew, and I thought everybody knew, but apparently you did not. Apparently, I knew absolutely nothing about this man because I just thought he started in a few movies here and there. He's not smart, but I was proven wrong. I will say that. I think he's very fascinating. I think he did a horrible thing, but he has and has done like a lot of things to maybe not redeem himself, but to I don't even know to say atone, but to just to make right by it, to do right by those that were hurt. Um, And I can respect that. If his son's okay with it and the housekeeper's okay with it, then I guess it's all right. And Maria and him are still, you know, not together, but they get along and yeah. It's all good for Arnie. So similarities and differences between this one and the SVU. I thought it was very similar. Just he, they didn't kill each other. Yeah, that is good. And there's the irrelevant pregnant girl i knew there was, there was a good reason why she was irrelevant because she's not necessary <laughs> no she's not they're like we just have to have why would this be handed to the svu yeah throw some twists in there yeah uh and in the show the two boys were one month apart and in the, the real life they were also one month apart oh yeah that's wild have two kids at the same time. Get two women pregnant at the same time. Well, ask Nick Cannon about it. He's doing it on purpose. He's got, <laughs> I don't know what, what mentality he's got, but he's trying to create an army. You, you know that uh, Law, and, <laughs> that Law and Order SVU episode with John Stamos where he's like purposely like gets women pregnant? Everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. purposely gets... Okay, so when we come to that episode, we'll do The Life of Nick Cannon. That'll, that's beautiful. We should do that. <laughs> All right. Well, this was a fun, another fun one. I like this one too. We have yet to cover a murder on this true crime podcast in 2024, but we'll, we'll get there slowly, but surely, but I do love a good scandal. Mm-hmm. Don't worry guys. Somebody will die soon. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but <laughs> You know, some people come to us for that that type of things. But I do love a good um, biography on celebrities. Because once, like, once you really dig into some celebrities' biographies, you learn a lot of things that you really didn't know, and then it puts them in a whole other perspective, like mm-hmm. a whole other light. And there's usually at least crime that has taken place in their lifetime. Not Arnold's. He had a scandal. But others, usually there is some sort of connection to a crime or something. There's a cover-up somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Malik. I will see you on... Th- oh, we gotta announce the episode. That's what I'm... Fo- I knew I was forgetting something. Oh, yeah. 
Hit him with it. Okay, do you want to guess? Mm. NCIS. No, you get one more guess. Criminal Intent. No. Okay, we're watching CSI. The original CSI, just CSI. We're watching CSI, season 13, episode 8, CSI on Fire. So this, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so like last episode when I announced the, the Law & Order SVU episodes, there's a very good chance that I probably said season 13, episode 8, because they're right next to each other and I might have got them confused. I hope I didn't. I hope not. Maybe that's why I was confused. Maybe it wasn't Maybe. me being dyslexic. It was I'm not going to lie. When I watched the episode today, I was like, okay, season 13, episode 8. And I was like, oh shit, it's 3. I hope I said 3. Yep, I'm going to blame you. I think it was you. It was me. Anyways, <laughs> if you're listening and want to watch along, we will be covering CSI, season 13, episode 8, CSI on fire. And... I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman. This is Crime on Primetime, and we are signing off. See ya.